Welcome back to PR After Hours. I'm your host, Alex Greenwood, bringing you your weekly cocktail of PR and marketing tips that will help you and your business. Stick around. We'll get started right after these messages. Do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. That is a quote from the legendary Nelson Mandela, whose very life is a lesson on the quality known as resilience. To learn more about ways you can apply this quality to your own business or career, we welcome Susan Drum. Susan is a CEO, advisor, and leadership coach focused on helping leaders and their teams to develop the capacity and mindsets to lead in today's disruptive environment. Since 2006, she's run a boutique consulting firm, Meritage Leadership, with a cadre of 15 coaches and consultants. There she's worked with private equity firms and their emerging portfolio companies, as well as large corporations such as Oracle, Viacom, KPMG, A&E Networks, Genentech, and many others. Susan has graduate degrees from Harvard Law School, my old school, just kidding, Carnegie Mellon University, and the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. With deep experience coaching C-suite executives from a wide range of industries, she's the perfect person to speak with us about resilience, especially in today's ultra-challenging environment. Susan Drum, welcome to the Virtual Lounge. Thank you so much. Great to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you here. You know, I, I have to ask you before we get really rolling in, this was resilience something you talked about a lot before COVID, or is it a, a new boom that you're working on? It actually was interested in it well before COVID because I noticed some differences in leaders. So if I'm, I do leadership development as, as that wonderful intro, and I noticed, you know, what makes some leaders able to just have things roll off their backs and other leaders fly off the handle on things. And it could be very different things, right, from person to person, but noticing people's triggers and how they respond to that and noticing that some leaders get triggered more easily than other leaders, I started to notice this concept of how do you stay resilient in the face of what's coming at you? And, and that's really where I started some of the research. But obviously now that COVID's hit, it's even more important to develop some of these skills around resilience because Let's face it, we're, we're in unprecedented rates of change and uncertainty. And if you don't have the skill set to be able to surf that, then the wave could take you under. I assume that's why you believe that it's probably what the number one trait leaders need during this time. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else they need more, frankly. Exactly. This ability to adapt and prepare for change. So those that were even doing some of this resilience work prior to COVID, have really been ahead of the game because they're able to look at this opportunity, look at it as an opportunity, first of all, but also take care of themselves, their well-being in the process of this. And so one of the things we'll be talking about is resilience is not just, it's a mental state and it's a physical state um, and it's an emotional state. So all of those kind of come together in this ability to stay resilient and what you need to keep your eye on. Well, let's, uh, let's look at that. So am I hearing, I'm not sure what I'm hearing, if this is it or not, but can you develop resilience or is it just something you're born with? Like the, sometimes I've heard, and you can correct me, please, because you're the expert. 
are some people born as born leaders or leaders made or so maybe we'll start with that and then maybe we could translate that into resilience are leaders born or made yes they they i think they're made over time <laughs> um yes and i would say um so the ability to be resilient can be uh initially encoded when in our early childhood based on trauma or experiences that we had based on how we learned to recover or adapt from them. That said, I'm in the field of leadership development. So I leader, you can develop and increase your ability to stay resilient over time. And, and that's essentially because as we know now, the brain is uh, plastic, they call it, meaning it's moldable, meaning you can create new synapses in the brain, neural pathways that allow you to be more resilient. Um, and But it requires, like anything, practice. Um, it requires anything, a focus, to be able to build this new sort of pathway to be resilient. I love that, uh, what you're discussing there. I'm, I'm kind of uh, tuned into cognitive behavioral therapy, which finds a way to find new pathways to help people kind of rewire past things that, that are were difficult for them. And so when I hear that the brain is a plastic, there's plasticity there, there's this, this means of doing that. It's, it's very encouraging, I think, for people who really think, oh, this is, you know, this is the brain I got, this is the brain I'm stuck with, you know, um, I'm no good at math, you know, whatever it might be, there are ways through this. Now, okay, I'm never going to do calculus, but I can balance a checkbook. You know, that's a, that's a real accomplishment. Well, right. I, I love I love hearing that though. That's that's important to to go there. So, what what are emotions? How do they come at play in in being resilient? Is is resilience um, that quality? Is that ability to tamp down emotions? To ignore emotions, or is it not that at all? It's a way of of uh, dealing with your emotions and integrating them into your leadership. Uh, how's that work? Yeah, the, the, I would say the closest is the latter. So this, this ability to, um, you know, notice the type of emotions that are being generated based on circumstances and actively building some contrasting emotions. So what I mean by that is you can think about emotions coming in two sets. They're either depleting emotions. Those are emotions such as frustration, anger, irritation, when we're feeling those emotions, it is setting into motion, emotion, a cascade of 1400 biochemical changes in the body, releasing things such as are to help you in the moment, let's say to flee a saber toothed tiger way back when, right, when it's approaching. But um, and so we're helpful chemicals and was designed the body to prepare to fight, flight, or freeze. But in our, in today's society, uh, our lives are not as much threatened, but we keep reactivating that biochemical chain every time we feel the emotions of anger, frustration. And the key is, do we amp them up? Do we keep bringing them into our existence or do we just it's not to say emotions are bad or those emotions are bad by any means, but what do you do with the information? And, and what I see all too often is we get into a pattern, a pattern of complaining, a pattern of being frustrated. And what that's doing to your body is 
is pretty remarkable when you, when you look at the data and it's ultimately harming you, right? So, I, I mean, lately I've been hearing so many people like say, I'm just so over it. You know, they're constantly frustrated. They're frustrated by having to wear a mask all the time. They're frustrated by the, all the political ads. They're frustrated by the traffic that now has appeared when it once was gone for a short two month period, right? <laughs> and, 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 and so, yes, get it, but, but how much are you redoing that over and over? Like every time now you have to put your mask on, are you getting irritated? What's that doing to your body? Well, I can tell you it's lowering your immunity. <laughs> like every time you're generating frustration, so there's these depleting emotions that you need to get clear on and depleting events that are essentially like depleting an inner battery. You have a battery and what are you doing to top it up every day so that you can handle these types of things? Because think about, think, think about this that in the traffic, is getting frustrated, does that make the traffic go faster? Is that no. changing the traffic whatsoever? No. It the only thing me. you're changing is putting cortisol into your system, which is leading to weight gain and all sorts of other lovely things. So why are we, why do we stick with that? That, that, is, that is the question. So there's this whole depleting emotions and then there are in contrast renewing emotions, which are gratitude and care and love and appreciation. And those are creating a whole set of other biochemical changes in our bodies. These are releasing the happy hormone, DHEA, right? These are releasing all the things that are actually restoring our immunity and bringing our system into sync or what we call coherence. So that's kind of just a little bit. I'll kind of pause there because, you know, I get so excited about this stuff. I could just go on. <laughs> no, I love, I love that. And that's, uh, that's something too. Um, and I do a little bit of... Uh, a meditative thing to kind of bring myself down from a lot of the stresses I feel. I do a, I do a listeners, regular listeners know I do this. I'm big on forest bathing. I like to walk to a wooded area away from people and traffic and just, you know, okay. Occasionally when no one's around, I'll take my shoes off even and pad around a little bit because, you know, it centers me, helps me. And I, I know one thing, by the time I've done that a couple of times a week, I think the, the cortisol is, is evaporating a little bit from my system. So I, I, I think that's fantastic what you're talking about here. But it's, it's, I got to be honest, it's not the first thing I thought we'd talk about. Well, we were talking about resilience. I love this. Yeah. So, th so there's, a, there's a neuroscientific aspect to this that I was totally unprepared to, to even hear about. So I'm excited to hear more about this. So, so I think you said about coherence. I think you might have mentioned coherence. Now, now, what is that and why is that important to what you're talking about? Yeah, so coherence is the state in which your heart and your brain are in line, in a line. So imagine, you've ever seen those rowing, like a rowing crew um, races where they all are in sync, like one beat at a time. When your heart and your brain are in sync, that is a state of what we call coherence. So what do we mean by that? So did you know that the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. So the heart takes it, the, basically the brain takes its cues from the heart on what's going on. And where does, where is the heart? It has to deal with emotions. So sometimes our thoughts, we could, with our thoughts, we could speed up the heart, like speed up the brain. But in general, 
we also have a control valve around what type of emotions we're focusing on and what signal that's sending to the brain. So the thing is when you're in coherence, and we can actually measure this, so I'm not just talking about, we can measure it by looking at um, something called heart rate variability, which when you're in this state of coherence where heart and brain are aligned, you see a perfect sine wave in heart rate variability, which is what you want. That's when all the good chemicals are being flooded into your system. When you're in a state of incoherence, where think of it as like one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas kind of thing, you see in heart rate variability a jagged line. And actually in the workshops that we do on this topic, we actually demo this, right? I've got a, a system that clips to your ear and it reads your heart rate variability. And, and essentially, this is the thing that blew me away. Your, when you do, there's a specific kind of breathing technique and accessing emotions, you can get yourself into a coherent state. And when you're feeling the kind of frustration of the traffic, whatever, you can see immediately your heart rate variability goes into this jagged, incoherent state. And so given the fact that we can measure it, I think is what really, I, I really focus on, if you look at my background, like what is it can be measured? Because that's going to be the most compelling. And, and so this practice of getting ourselves in a coherent state essentially builds our ability to stay resilient. So the more you can build the coherent state and practice it, and it's literally techniques that I'll practice first thing that I do when I wake up, last thing I do when I go to sleep, and usually in the middle of the day, like maybe, maybe there's, there's a frustration coming my way. Um, I'm in the midst of it. I'm dealing with a, an ordinary client, right? What can I do to make sure that I'm essentially, put it this way, in the highest reasoning part of my brain? Because think, think about when, when you get really triggered, do you usually think, like, essentially most, what often happens is you insert your foot in your mouth by doing something that is like, if I really thought about it, I shouldn't have done that, right? <laughs> the, because the highest reasoning part of the brain is shut off. You're in incoherence. That's why that happens. So the best thing you can do in those circumstances is get yourself in a coherent state so that you can think the sharpest. Susan, is that, is that when, you know, you get that, that, you know, that old saying or that old phrase, that old idiom, I see, I see red when I'm angry and that you just, you, it's like, and I've got to admit, not proud of it, but when I get angry sometimes, I'm triggered and it's just, I can't, see anything and i know there's there's the 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 main voice that's usually there in my head the big voice saying okay now calm down you know that voice gets really quiet and it's the lizard voice coming like oh, i'm gonna just, you know go after these people i'm so angry that that doesn't happen every day folks but it does happen every now and then so so is that kind of what you're talking about here with the coherence is it's just so out of whack that that you just have no control over that and you see red yeah yeah so again there's it's a balance the, the, the gift in that kind of anger is that there's been a violation. There's been a boundary cross, right? That's important information. Take that information in, right? Take it in, decide what you want to do with it. But, but what happens is when you get into a pattern where it's like the angry lizard part of the brain, that's not what you usually do. You start right. what, either yelling back or I had a leader once throw a chair. You know, is that really helpful? Now, now everyone in the room is traumatized, right, by yeah. the throwing of the chair, right? And, and had he gone back, he would have been like, oh, my God, I should have never done that, 
right? Like I, I, yeah, right. But he just was overcome by it. And that's what we talk about where you're in a state of incoherence. And what's essentially happened in the brain is the amygdala, the oldest part of the brain, the reptilian brain has taken over to fight, flight, or free. And that pattern was set long, long, long ago in your childhood. Like where, where do you more likely go and what's the response? So, but if we're going to get ahead of it, we have to be able to say, let me take that information. Let me do some of the kind of resilience techniques that we teach so I get it. And so I respond better. And it's not to say that you're going off. Like, it's great that I think awesome that you're going off in nature and kind of building that inner battery of resilience, but you also need a technique that you can do in the moment, right? In the moment that you're getting triggered, how do I reset myself? And that's basically the types of things that we focus on. I think you're so right about that. I think, uh, you know, I, I find myself and here I am, I'm an advisor to C-suite executives and PR and social media. And I speak on social media on TV all the time and stuff. And, and yet I find myself occasionally triggered on social media by something, which is just, I can't believe I'm falling for this, you know, and then I'll do it. And then, then I'll wake up the next morning and it's like, you know, well, gosh, what did I say? You know, I, but sometimes you just, you, it does happen. So I think you're right. Some techniques are important. And I want to, if I know in the minutes we've got left here, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're very busy, but uh, just to kind of get back to my practice, which is, you know, a a lot of crisis communication work, uh, training, planning, and active crisis management. Um, I could definitely, you know, definitely use some of those techniques to help me get through the, the crisis situations because they are, they are at times brutal. Um, but even better, if it's some things I can develop that uh, I can pass on or help my clients find by connecting them with you, because um, I think so often in crisis, particularly C-suite executives get shoved out in the spotlight. And yeah. oftentimes they're not the best person to do that. It should be the PR yeah. person who's trying to do it, but that sometimes yeah. the CEO ego gets in the way or whatever, or the stakeholders are like, no, we need the big cheese out there. And then they get, like you said, they're going to figuratively throw a chair or put their foot in their mouth. Not always. Some of them are brilliant at it, but by and large, there's issues there. So I, I, how about this? Could you share with us maybe just a couple of examples of some techniques you might teach somebody if they got connected with you? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll I'll teach you one right now. Um, really? It's so oh. simple. It's so simple that you'll be like, really? That's it? And that's it. And that's when you want it to be simple because in the moment, all you can see is red, right? Yes. So all you, so it's, this is a very simple technique, but I tell you it works. So, um, so this is not mindfulness or meditation. So I want to repeat this because you can't necessarily in the face of crisis go off and meditate, although I'm a big meditator and I believe that also helps build resilience. But this is something you can do in the moment, but it's also something you can practice, uh, as I said before, in the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, to begin to build this ability. So do you wanna, want me to walk you through it real quick? Please, I'm, I'm yeah. Okay, so um, it's a two-step process. I'm gonna describe what it is and then we'll do it together. Um, so basically what you're going to do is focus the attention in the area of the heart. Again, we're, we're sending, syncing up the heart so it sends the right signals to the brain. So focus the area in the heart and imagine your breath is flowing in and out of your heart or chest area a little slower and deeper than usual. So imagine five seconds in, perhaps, and five seconds out. Let's just do that now and then I'll take you the second step. 
And the second step is to make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative emotion, such as love, care, appreciation, gratitude for someone or something in your life as you're breathing in. I like to think of my pet, Jasmine. <laughs> Used to have a cat named Jasmine. Okay. So, how do you feel? I feel I feel calm. Um, that's interesting. I feel I feel like I am taking like two notches back on my usual host behavior, where I'm a little higher energy. It's but you've kind of just it feel like I did fall back into a centeredness that I needed uh, just to. So it's a nice reset, isn't it? Yeah, it is a reset, and you can do it with your eyes open or closed. You can do it. Essentially, what I'm teaching you is a technique from HeartMath. Um, they do all the research behind how this impacts the body. And what, you know, just to give you an example of who learns these types of techniques, um, I had in, in the uh, original conference I went to, there were people such as an F-16 fighter pilot who has to make split decisions, right? It was the, the chief of police for all of Colombia because he wanted to teach this to his officers. If you have this ability to reset, what you've done just there is you put your heart and brain into coherence and just by that simple technique. So you can do that. You're in a meeting, you feel your blood pressure rising, breathe a little slower and deeper, connect to a renewing emotion and you've switched the, tr the, the cascade of biochemical changes from one that's depleting to one that's renewing. And you'll find that I like to do it again when there's no stress. Mm -hmm. And then I use it again when there is stress in my life so that I'm building the capacity to be able to access it all the time. Uh, you know, if you just tell people that some people are going to kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, I don't know. So do you, do you find that when you're teaching uh, executives or leadership uh, folks that, that are new to this, do you get kind of that pushback or how's that go? I, I, what I usually do is show the data, but when I do the demo and they can see it, I mean, it, it boggled my mind too. I, the minute, you know, I use it now sometimes that there's a sensor that um, actually I'm going to give your, your listeners a download that they can get and they can actually order one of these sensors to be able to see if they're in coherence or not. Ooh. When my thoughts wander and they go to something I'm anxious about, I'm immediately out of coherence. And when my thoughts go to, again, focusing on these renewing emotions, I'm in a coherent state. So you want to look at how many times in your day are you in a coherent state versus incoherent state. I would say on average, we're in more of an incoherent state. That sort of sticks in our mind. And we're just trying to create more of the balance. How many times do you connect to a regenerative emotion during the day? And, and why not more? Because it's only going to help your body. It's only going to help your reasoning. It's only going to help how you show up. Again, it doesn't mean that we're not going to experience a wide range of emotions as we should, but are we using them in a way that gives us information so that we can take action? Or are we using them in a way just to 
kind of spin ourselves out of control. Oh, Susan, that's fantastic. Uh, so if people are listening and interested in learning more about this, and uh, for, I guess first, uh, first thing I should ask is this, is this something that's open to any person or is it better suited to someone who is on a leadership track or who is your ideal client you're looking for here? So we focus on usually senior executives and their, their teams. So anyone leading a business, they're going to be triggered by something. Um, that's primarily where we focus, but we're rolling out some online programs that will be that anyone can, can take advantage of as a result of this, because this is so important. But originally I came out this because leaders are faced with unbelievable stress, having to juggle so many things. So, yeah. In that case, you, you mentioned there might be an offer for our listeners. What's that all about? Yeah. So just go to susandrum.com slash after PR after hours. So I'm going to spell that S-U-S-A-N-D-R-U-M-M.com slash PR after hours. And you'll get the download that will talk a little bit more. I only showed you one little technique. There are actually three different parts to resilience. There's heart, there's brain, and there's body. We just did like a little sliver um, there's more information on there and there's also, a, um, some information on how to get one of the centers, the sensors for your, to test if you're incoherent. Oh, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm going to learn more about this. I'm going to look into this definitely listeners. So, uh, yeah, Susan, so definitely I will put the link in the show notes and we'll make sure everybody can access that. And when I think about the Mandela quote we opened up with today, you know, that's something that has been very important to me in my life in the sense, you know, every day, I think a lot of people, particularly people in leadership or people running their own companies feel this t tremendous pressure to be perfect. It's very meaningful to me to learn that there are techniques that can help you kind of move past that stuff to center yourself and develop the quality of resilience. Yes, exactly. I'm so happy to share that people need this right now. It's my mission to get this out in the world. So, um, yeah. All right, folks, check the show notes for the links. Susan Drum, thank you so much for being with us here in the virtual lounge. Excellent. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Oh, you know what that means? Looks like it's last call here at your virtual lounge for PR news views and interviews. Don't forget, you can ask me a question anytime. You can do it through our Twitter account, which is at ours PR, or even better, you can send me a message vocally. I would love to hear your voice, and I'll answer it on the show. There's a link in the show notes. All you have to do is sign up through Anchor FM. It's free, doesn't take long, and you record your message. I get the message. I will play your audio. Just give me your first name and the city you live in, and then I will answer the question to the best of my ability right here on the show. Don't forget to, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can support it and help increase the frequency and value of the show. Just consider being a sponsor for your brand or your agency or just yourself because you're like, I like this show. Or just drop a few coins in the virtual tip jar. Either way, there's links in the show notes. Please check that out. All of that, of course, being in the show notes where you're listening right now or at PRAfterHours.com. I see that they're turning up the lights. Last call is over and I've got to clean up this virtual lounge. And until next time, I'm Alex Greenwood and you've been listening to PR After Hours on Anchor FM.